Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes shall never die. Do you believe this? In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. On this day, millions of Christians have gathered around the world to remember and to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The one who was crucified on behalf of our sins was raised from the dead. And ever since that first Easter, when on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, the two Marys found the tomb of Jesus empty and he physically appeared to them. Followers of Jesus have been recalling and proclaiming this event as the significant event of his incarnation. As Thomas Oden writes, the truth about Jesus was not finally revealed until his resurrection. The resurrection was the seal and confirmation of Christ's saving activity on the cross. The Gospels do not explain the resurrection. The resurrection alone is what can explain the Gospels. Have you ever wondered why we Christians are so committed to this? Why is it that the followers of Jesus refuse to convert when faced with death or persecution? I mean, we see the news and we hear reports of so many around the world in the face of death being crucified or tortured or shot for their faith in Christ. These followers of Jesus refuse to convert and denounce Christ. Why? Why is it that the followers of Jesus refuse to give into secularism? even when it's not politically correct. We hear and see news reports of Christian symbols, Christian practices, Christian ethics, and Christian morality being removed from the government, from the public square, our schools and universities, and even from our entertainment options. Why do followers of Jesus refuse to accept this and give in to secularism? Why is it that the followers of Jesus refuse to give in to materialism? which seems to be consuming most of Western culture. Yes, it's nice and helpful to have some of these things, all these wonderful things, many of which we take for granted. Mobile phones and televisions and cars, computers, hot showers, ovens and refrigerators in our kitchens and washers and dryers in our homes. But followers of Jesus do not make it their life ambition and purpose of existence to exalt this rampant materialism. For us, it's not about the things. Why? I would suggest to you that it's because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. These were real historical events. They are not made up tales. And this Jesus who rose from the dead is still alive and is knowable even today. For those who are willing to admit their sinfulness, who are willing to ask God's forgiveness of their sins, who are willing to receive Him into their lives, God forgives their sins. And Jesus comes and lives within them in the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is real. Millions of Christians around the world have been born of the Spirit and have come to know this resurrected Jesus personally. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything especially for those who by faith have received Jesus. I like how Anglican scholar John Stott explains what we celebrate today. He writes, firstly, 
The tomb was empty. And no adequate alternative to the resurrection has ever explained the disappearance of the body. Secondly, the Lord was seen. And the appearances do not fit with what we know of as of hallucinations. Thirdly, the disciples were changed people. Only the resurrection can account for their transformation from doubt to faith, cowardice to courage, and sorrow to joy. When I think about the Apostle Peter, his story is absolutely amazing. He was a fisherman who began to follow Jesus and he immediately rose to leadership among the disciples, yet he was always putting his foot in his mouth. He was the first to openly acknowledge that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And yet when Jesus was arrested, he not only ran away, but he denied Jesus three times before he was killed on the cross. Jesus appeared to Peter when he was resurrected and he did so not only by himself but he appeared to Peter with the other disciples as well and then Peter becomes a key leader in the church on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descended on those in the upper room Peter preaches a sermon he takes courage and he speaks God's word and 3,000 people came to the Lord that day but what I want you to hear is how Peter writes about the resurrection in his first letter this is first Peter 1 3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He then explains about the appearing of Jesus on earth, his fulfillment of prophecies from the Old Testament, and his explanation for why all this happens. This is verse 20 of chapter 1. He was known before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. The resurrection of Jesus changed everything for Peter and for the whole world. It made what Jesus did on the cross applicable to you and to me. It proclaimed loud and clear that death will not have the last say. Whereas the cross sealed the deal of the new covenant, the resurrection put the divine seal of approval on the new covenant. The resurrection of Jesus. It's, it's consistent with the words of Jesus. Remember when Lazarus was raised from the dead? In John chapter 11, Jesus is a, journey's, a day's journey away from Bethany and he hears his close friend Lazarus is dying. Jesus gets word that he's on his deathbed and to please come quickly. And for whatever reason, Jesus stays where he is and he doesn't come at once. And by the time he arrives in Bethany, Lazarus has been buried for four days. Jesus arrives at the tomb and he asks the people to remove the stone covering at the entrance. He then calls forth Lazarus from the grave. And the scripture says in John eleven forty four, The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with cloth. Lazarus was brought forth from death to life. 
For four days he had been in the tomb, and Jesus called him forth to life. He had said, I am the resurrection and the life. This was not the only time Jesus raised someone from the dead. In Matthew chapter 9 is the story of Jairus, the ruler of the local synagogue. He comes to Jesus about his daughter. This is Matthew 9, 18. A ruler came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she'll live. Jesus got up and went with him and so did the disciples. When Jesus entered the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy gong, he said, Go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in, took the girl by the hand, and she got up. And then in Luke chapter 7, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him, and as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother, she was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. He then went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead, dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. What do all these stories tell us about Jesus? Jesus was not only the resurrected one, but he is the resurrection and the life. Before he had raised Lazarus from the dead in that story, he says to Martha, who had greeted him on the way, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes shall never die. Do you believe this? He claims to be the source of life. He claims to be the source of renewal. He claims to be the source of revitalization, regeneration, and restoration. He is life itself. He not only affirms the resurrection of the dead, some Jews in his day did not believe. He not only affirms it, but he claims, I am that divine name. I am the resurrection. He took this belief out of the realm of theory and put it into reality. What his Jewish friends thought was a future hope, Jesus brings to a present reality. One only has to believe in him. Orthodox theologian Dimitri Royster writes, in saying, I am the resurrection and the life, he makes the ultimate claim for his deity. Being the one who gives life to those who are dead and uniquely the one who is life itself. Jesus had said in John 5, 26, as the Father has life in himself, so he is granted to the Son to have life in himself. Jesus is in himself the life that he gives. Oswald Chambers, the great missionary, has said, the resurrection of Jesus Christ has given him the right, the authority, to impart the life of God to us. And our experiential life must be constructed on the basis of his life. Just in feeding the 5,000 with loaves of bread, and he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. Here he gives life back to Lazarus, and he claims to be the very 
life-giving agent himself. Edwin Hodgkins writes, Faith in Jesus overcomes death. There is no limitation to the power of Christian faith. Every believer is removed from the possibility of death, and he shall live though he die. Scholar F.F. Bruce takes this a little bit further. He says, the believer in Jesus who undergoes physical death will nevertheless live. There is more than an announcement of the general resurrection on the last day. This looks forward to Jesus' own rising from the dead and affirms that believers in him being united to him by faith will share his risen life even though they experience bodily death. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he said he was the resurrection and the life. And then he asked Martha, do you believe this? And she responds in John eleven twenty seven, 27, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God who has come into the world. She answers with faith, yes, Lord, I believe. She answers with three titles of Jesus, Lord, Messiah, Son of God. She is confident in who Jesus is. He is the Lord and Master. He is the Messiah, the long-awaited one. He is God, the Son of God himself. And yet, in just a few minutes later, when Jesus asked for that stone to be removed from Lazarus' tomb, her belief is challenged with unbelief. As Warren Wiersbe writes, the one person who declared her faith was Martha. And she failed at the last minute. Open the tomb? By now he smells. It's been four days. Jesus gently reminded her of the message he had sent the last three days before, and he urged her to believe it. True faith relies on God's promises and thereby releases God's power. Martha relented, and the stone was rolled away. And then Jesus brought forth Lazarus. Now some people hear this same story and their eyes are blinded. They don't have faith. You heard the story about Farmer John? Farmer John decided his injuries from a recent accident were serious enough to take the trucking company responsible for the accident to court. In court, the trucking company's fancy lawyer was questioning Farmer Joe. Didn't you say at the scene of the accident that you were fine? Well, I'll tell you what happened. I just loaded my favorite mule Bessie into the... I didn't ask for details, the lawyer interrupted. Just answer the question. Did you not say at the scene of the accident that you were fine? Well, I just got Bessie into the trailer and was driving down the road. Judge, I'm trying to establish the fact that at the scene of the accident, this man told the highway patrolman on the scene that he was just fine. And now several weeks after the accident, he's trying to sue my client. I believe he's a fraud. Please tell him to simply answer the question. Well, by this time, the judge was fairly interested in Farmer Joe's answer, and he told the lawyer so. Well, said the farmer, as I was saying, I just loaded Bessie, my favorite mule, into the trailer and was driving her down the highway when this huge semi-truck ran the stop sign and smashed my truck right in the side. I was thrown into one ditch, and Beth Bessie was thrown into the other. I was hurting real bad, and I didn't want to move. However, I could hear old Bessie moaning and groaning. I knew it would just be terrible, 
to see her. She was groaning and she was in terrible shape. Well, shortly after the accident, a highway patrolman came on the scene. He could hear Bessie moaning and groaning, so he went over to her, and after taking a look, he took out his gun and he shot her between the eyes. Then the patrolman came across the road with a gun in his hand, and he looked at me and said, How are you feeling? Some people hear the same resurrection story through different ears and are blinded. On the first Easter morning, one saw the grave clothes lying there and believed, John. The two Marys saw Jesus himself that morning and believed. Peter and most of the apostles saw him that first Sunday night and, and believed. Thomas proclaimed it was impossible and he wouldn't believe until he saw the holes in the hands that were on the cross. Jesus walked with two on the road to Emmaus when their eyes were opened and they believed. And by believing, all of these received life in his name. Jesus was not only raised from the dead, but he is the life giver. He is the resurrection and the life. And he gives to those of us who believe two types of life. Eternal life and abundant life. Eternal life has to do with the quantity of life. Abundant life has to do with quality of life. Eternal life is the ability to know God. As John 17, 3 says, it's the only definition that I know of in the Bible of eternal life. It says this, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Knowing God begins here in our lives on planet Earth and continues eternally. It's everlasting. It's like being dropped in a circle and there's no end. Eternal life, knowing God, is the key to spending eternity with God. Eternal life is the ability to know Him, to have relationship with Him. Abundant life, on the other hand, has to do with quality of life while we were here on this planet. John 10.10, Jesus said, The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they might have life and to have it abundantly. This is life to the fullest. This is life overflowing. This is life filled with grace. This is life filled with His Spirit, filled with His peace, filled with His love. As Jesus said in John 7, 37, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit. Abundant life. Jesus, the resurrected one, gives life to those who believe. Eternal life and abundant life. Within the past few months, I've attended several funerals of family and friends. Uh, during one of these, the pastor leading the service must have said no less than three times something like this. Well, you know, so-and-so was such a good person. We know where she is. Meaning that her goodness was what was going to get her into heaven. This is not the gospel. This is not what the cross and the resurrection are about. It's not about our goodness that gets us into heaven. None of us can be good enough to get there. It's only by accepting what Jesus has done on the cross that we are given the free gift of heaven. 
Romans 6.23, the Apostle Paul said it this way, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this gift comes by faith, by believing. Do you believe? Do you believe? Lastly, this morning, I recently read that 80% of unchurched people are willing to engage in a conversation about Jesus. 80%. However, most of us aren't talking to them about Jesus. We talk to them about other things, but not Jesus. They're interested They're hungry for the bread of life. They're thirsty for the living water. But we aren't talking to them about him. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who believes, lives and believes, shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? If you do. I want to encourage you to share him with someone for whom you care. Do you believe? In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.